click drive time keeping you informed and inspired we love god we ought to be able to talk about him getting you started on your day with the latest in breaking news and information from the vatican to the white house and everything in between it's serious it's fun it's your catholic drive time now here's your host joe mcclain praise be to jesus christ welcome back to catholic drive time keeping you informed and inspired i'm your host Joe McClain, good morning to you. Praise be to God. You have survived the weekend. Congratulations. It's time to get back at it. We have a great lineup this week. Uh, But today, uh, Apple, is it spying on us? Is the brand new Apple iOS about to be rolled out going to be spying? Filtering through your photos to know your hidden and secret agendas and then providing them to authorities. That's going to be a conversation in the what's concerning us. Uh, sadly, a brand new mom gunned down in Chicago. Police officer, uh, two police officers were shot over the weekend. One died and the other fighting for his life. A brand new mom, two months uh, after coming back onto the job from maternity leave, is uh, now dead as a result to the violence in Chicago. Colorado bishops have uh, stood up for religious exemptions for Catholics. Imagine that. Bishops defending the right of conscientious objectors to mandates. I wish I could see that in more dioceses. That'd be amazing. We'll talk about that, as well as our guest segment today, uh, which is a very interesting uh, gentleman from the University of Dallas, Anthony Barone Kolink, is going to be on our program. He's written, I think, a trilogy of sort of middle reader level books of uh, uh, fiction as a response to the secular wave of readers that that are filled with all kinds of trouble, moral issues, ethic issues, uh, occultism, and much, much more. We're going to have a conversation around fictional writing, a Catholic response to it all with Anthony Barone Kolink today. That's coming up 35 past the hour. Good morning to you, Janelle. Good morning, Mr. Joe. Your last week. Yes, yes, it is my last week. For those of you um, you who do not know, I'll be returning to university this fall on August the 23rd. So please pray for me and uh, please pray for the next future co-host of the Catholic Drive Time. Yeah. Now, in the Marine Corps, we used to say you're a short timer. I'm a short timer. You're a short timer. So you're like, you're like uh, f- uh, four days in a wake up. Uh, the clock is ticking. Four days in a wake up and then you're Four done. Four days in a wake up. Yes, yeah. and I'm done and yeah. I won't have to wake up as early anymore. <laughs> we used to, it was funny. We, we were getting out of the core. We'd always, that's, that was the language. We'd always be looking forward to that wake up. You know, then we're, mm. we're done. We're out of here. <laughs> you know, but then we can become civilians and grow long hippie hair. That's what we used to say. Anyway, praise be to God. Well, we're, we're going to miss you, Janelle. Uh, we've appreciated having you on the team this, this summer and, and we'll be praying for your, your future, especially for your semester to go very well. Thank you. Speaking of things needing to go well, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. Yeah. Praise be to God. How was your weekend? It was great. It was great. We uh, met up with some friends on Saturday, so that was nice. And um, we went to the uh, first Friday mass on Friday evening, I had dinner with my friend and their family. And on Sunday, we celebrated my aunt's birthday. So happy birthday, hey. Aunt Jennifer. Uh, God bless you. And uh, we had uh, fajitas what? and uh, well, hold, wait, and wait. ribs what? Well, and what? grilled chicken. Okay, hold on. Let me, and, let me just, not, and chips I'm, with uh, guacamole just, and pico de gallo. Hold, hold, hold. I'm just checking my, my mm-hmm. phone. You no, know, don't worry. The, your, I, your invite is in the mail. It'll come I, to you in about a week. Um, I don't see a text or <laughs> It's in the mail. It's email, in the mail. Don't worry, no, man. It's the in the mail. The phone call log doesn't show you having called. The, uh, the, you know what the funniest thing about hmm. this is, though? What? 
My aunt's a vegan. <laughs> we grilled and everything and, and so we uh that's cold-hearted so we, and so we uh we had like a what, one veggie burger wow and then everybody else had, had fajitas and that and ribs so and everything you are you should be ashamed of yourself I, that's just she didn't want it it's fine <laughs> of course she's a vegan well, but why would she even let it in her house was it in her house no it was at our house oh yeah. she had no choice is what you're saying what i, I mean, want to know is did you cook the um her vegan patty in the grease with everything else maybe oh no comment no comment no charity breaking news uh for your penance read romans 14 okay just take that to heart all right well, uh, praise be to God. We are going to have a, uh, a great show today. Anthony Barone Colink, is, he's a professor at University of Dallas. He's going to be our guest at 35 After, but we're going to do a breaking news and stories with Janelle, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and then uh, what's concerning us. All that coming up in this hour. Looking forward to it. We ha- in the next hour, we do have a brand new uh, show sponsor for our game show. So new opportunities to win prizes today in the second hour for those of you that can join us. But let's pray and begin. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now the headlines with Janelle Lane. Today is Monday, August the 8th, or sorry, August the 9th. Here are some headlines from Church Militant. Pro-life student lawsuit. Louisville med student sues over anti-Christian discrimination. Parents sue Jesuit school, claims administration bullied son who opposes CRT. Diocese reinstates mask mandate. Louisiana bishop defers to government health orders. San Francisco prelate defends Pope. Archbishop Salvatore Cordelion supports Traditionis Custodis. Britney Spears says she's Catholic now in social media post. Beijing tightens grip in Hong Kong, deploys 10 agencies to scrub misinformation. In other news, Beijing tightens censorship in new campaign against fake news. Online content from newspapers and social media targeted. The government wants to silence citizen journalists. Foreign reporters receive death threats from Chinese Communist Party youth for their coverage of the floods in Henan. Censorship law in rival in Hong Kong. And in a study, 350 fake social profiles discredit Chinese dissidents and opponents of the regime. Reported from LifeSite, Biden administration to require all legal foreign visitors to be COVID vaccinated. From Church Militant, Jesuit High School in Sacramento sued over critical race theory. Latino student labeled a bigot and forced to withdraw. From LifeSite News, or Life News, Nike defends doing business in China despite genocide and forced abortions, saying it's, quote, aligned to our beliefs, end quote. Men will soon outnumber women because so many girls have been killed in sex selection abortions. South Carolina priest on leave after a lawsuit over sexual relationship. The Vatican says, swarms of kamikaze mini-drones pose threat to civilians. Senate votes to cut off debate on $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill. 
Judge orders Oklahoma to reinstate $300 federal jobless benefit. Minnesota Supreme Court upholds state's gun-carrying law. Lebanon's economy quickly collapsing amid hyperinflation and power outages. California's Dixie Fire grows into second largest in state history. No vaccine passports. Massive protests across France over new COVID rules. Tokyo Olympics end with closing ceremony as U.S. TV ratings see decline. American recounts being tortured and drugged in China's black jails. Hundreds protest vaccination mandates in Michigan. And over 800 unaccompanied children crossing border illegally apprehended in one day. I'm Janelle Lay, and those are your headline news for Monday, August the 9th. God love you. The saint of the day is St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, better known as Edith Stein, though I'm not sure why we call her by her name before she took on a saint's name. Anyway, she was born the 12th of October, 1891, in Breslau Dolanalanski, Germany, which is now Wroclaw, Poland. She was the youngest of seven children in a Jewish family. Edith lost interest in faith and Judaism by the age of 13. She became a brilliant student and philosopher with an interest in phenomenology. She studied at the University of Göttingen, Germany, and in Breslau, Germany, and earned her doctorate in philosophy in 1916 at the age of 25. I need to catch up. Witnessing the strength of faith of Catholic friends led her to the interest in Catholicism, which led to a studying of catechism on her own. This led to her reading herself into the faith and converted to Catholicism in Cologne, Germany, and was baptized in St. Martin's Church in Burgersbrunn, Germany, on the 1st of January, 1922. She became a Carmelite nun in 1934, taking the name Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, and was a teacher in the Dominican school in Speyer, Germany. And she became a lecturer at the Educational Institute in Munich, Germany. However, anti-Jewish pressure from the Nazis forced her to resign both positions, and she became a profound spiritual writer. Both Jewish and Catholic, she was smuggled out of the out of Germany and assigned to Echt, Netherlands, in 1938. Where the Nazi, when the Nazis invaded the Netherlands, she and her sister Rose, also a convert to Catholicism, were captured and sent to the concentration camp at Auschwitz, where they died in the gas chambers like so many others. She died by gassing on the 9th of August, 1947, 1942, in the ovens of Osvin, Osvinchim, a.k.a. Auschwitz, in Malopoliska, Poland. She was canonized on the 11th of October, 1998, by Pope John Paul II. St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 17, verses 22 through 27. As Jesus and his disciples were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is to be handed over to men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. And they were overwhelmed with grief. When they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the temple tax approached Peter and said, Does not your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he said. When he came into the house, before he had time to speak, Jesus asked him, What is your opinion, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take tolls or census tax? From their subjects or from foreigners? 
When he said, from foreigners, Jesus said to him, then the subjects are exempt, but that we may not offend them. Go to the sea, drop in a hook, and take the first fish that comes up. Open its mouth, and you will find a coin worth twice the temple tax. Give that to them, for me and for you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I want to thank Verboom.com forward slash G-R-N. That's with a V. Verboom, V-E-R-B-U-M, Verboom.com forward slash G-R-N for giving us the tools necessary to dive deep into the uh, the passages every day. Well, the temple tax, you know, this is like another one of those traps uh, that Jesus is always being able to spring well before they catch him. He always flips it on them, right? Navarre's commentary said, the episode of the temple tax contains two clear messages messages that Jesus is the Son of God and Lord of the temple, and that Peter is associated with him in the governance governance of the church. And that part I really loved, as a matter of fact. Uh, there's a lot of hints here, nods to the primacy of Peter. Ignatius's Catholic Study Bible said Matthew's fourth book features the primacy of Peter, chapter 14, chapter 16, and here in 17. And here the tax collectors recognize and approach him as the apostle's spokesman. The single payment for both Christ and Peter underscores the spiritual union between Jesus and his vicar on earth. Hadock uh, was quoting St. Augustine in his commentary when he said, Jesus, the Christ here, as well as on many other occasions, pointedly marks the precedence of Peter. It's very, very fascinating. But there's still even more deeper themes going on here. Uh, you know, offering it up, doing things that you, that you know that you have the freedom not to do, but you do them anyway out of, out of a sense of, uh, of, uh, charity, out of a, a hope of winning them over. This is a precedent that St. Paul gives us in, uh, in the New Testament. In fact, in Acts chapter 16, he had Timothy circumcised. In, uh, in Romans 14, he abstains from meats because the, the Jewish converts just couldn't seem to get their head wrapped around it. In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul talks about the necessary uh, to be all things to all people in order to win converts. And there's the key, the intention, the goal, to win converts. That's the mission of the church. It's not to become like them. It's to win them over for the glory of God, for the salvation of souls. That is the mission of the church. I can't wait to read to you what Jerome said about this passage. I'll have to save that for next hour. Join us if you can. But coming up after the break, is Apple spying on you? I want to talk about that and much more. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time. We'll be right back. Glorianshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Glorianshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Glorianshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Glorianshine.com. Thank you again. It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. I need mercy. 
Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, do you have kids? Do they read? You know, that middle age reader genre has uh, blown up. I mean, uh, we, we think of things like um, uh, Harry Potter as an example. Um, there's been a whole bunch of, uh, of trilogies that have come out as, as a result. I know when Adrian was uh, a young and he liked to read uh, some of those books. What were they? What were some of those? Because uh, like, I'm too old for this, I guess. Okay, whatever you do, don't tell my mom. But when I was in middle school, my mom forbade me from reading the Percy Jackson series. Percy Jackson. It that's came out I when I was in elementary school. And I uh, was challenged by a friend uh, that I couldn't read the entire series in a week. And then you did. And then I did. And then you did. The entire series in and one week. And the, the rest is, as they say, exercise. And now sessions. I'm just down the road to hell. <laughs> well, okay. Okay, maybe not quite. Well, we're going to have a dramatic. conversation at 35 past the hour with Anthony Barone Colink. He is a professor at University of uh, Dallas. And we're going to have a conversation about the secular and the Catholic response to that. He's written uh, three books of fictional writing, and uh, we're going to have a conversation around that. Uh, what does it mean? How difficult are these things for, for children? What should parents understand? All of that coming up at 35 past the hour. I want to jump into some stories, though. Of course, there was an incredibly violent weekend over the weekend in Chicago. As usual, you know, every Monday when you read and you scan the headline news, you almost always get a a death report or a shooting report out of Chicago. It's one of the most violent cities in our country. And unfortunately, over the weekend, a police officer was shot and killed. Uh, Ella French, 29, murdered during traffic stop only two months after giving birth to a baby. She had just come back to duty after her maternity leave. And now she is dead. Um, this is a tragic situation, a traffic stop. Both officers were shot. One of the, uh, the suspects inside the vehicle was then shot. It's a tragic, tragic story. Unfortunately, it's all too common. There's a picture in this article uh, that put out by the Blaze, but many re- outlets have reported on this. Uh, there's a picture of all these officers out in front of the ambulance entrance of this hospital. And it's just a sea of police officers knowing that uh, their sister in the force has lost her life and one of their brothers is fighting for his life right now. It's a tragic situation that's all too common in our country. In the era of defund police, this is a tragic reality that we now have to live in. These police officers, these men and women have to get up, leave their families, and go do their jobs in the midst of incredible criticism, insane pressure. Everybody's got a video camera and all of it. And this woman who just gave birth to a child is now lost to that child. Let's pray for the repose of her soul. Let's pray for peace in her family and for the men and women who must serve our communities wearing the blue. 
that they will be supported, that they will have courage, and that they will do their jobs uh, with excellence, with ethics, and morality. Let's pray for our country today. It's, it's a tragic story. There is, uh, of course, another story out. I'll say this real quick before I move on, but another story out of the blaze. This one, uh, the headline goes, Antifa attacks families at Christian prayer event in Portland, Oregon. You remember that Canadian pastor who opposed the Canadian government from shutting his, his uh, church down? And it kind of made uh, international news. Well, he has been visiting in, in America. He's in uh, Portland, and he held this prayer rally there. And Antifa shows up, and they begin throwing uh, 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 flashbangs into the crowd, into the crowd of children. Uh, throwing rotten eggs and then uh, taking the their equipment and throwing it into the river. It's utterly insane. Reports say that the police were standing by and watching and doing nothing. Gee, I wonder why. I wonder if it might have anything to do with the fact that you've been defunded, with the fact that you haven't been supported by you, by your local government. By the fact that that every time you try to do your jobs, it becomes uh, an international story. It's such an incredible thing uh, that we to see these uh, these moments in time. What will what what will need to take place? Will we have to defend ourselves? In fact, some of the Proud Boys, uh, I guess, got involved, and of course, they're they're ready and willing to stand up against Antifa. But will we have to defend ourselves? Will we have to have? Uh, men ready and willing to defend our people when they want to do a prayer rally. Will that have to happen? Will brawls break out? I don't know. But uh, these are the interesting times we live in. Let us pray for Christians around our country and world when they stand up. And may they have the support that they need. Let's go to the Apple story. This is out of the Epic Times. The headline reads like this. Apple will scan iPhones for illegal child abuse images, sparking privacy debate. Now, Apple is the kind of company that's made headlines for years because it it claims to protect privacy concerns. You might recall, I don't remember what year that was. This was a while back. But the federal government, the FBI, was trying to force Apple to unlock a phone and provide data uh, for an investigation. I, th- well, I think it was over a terrorist. And Apple refused. Apple refused to assist the federal government in breaking the code uh, of the phone's lock so that the federal agencies could have access to private information. So why now are they on the verge of spying on uh, on citizens, on their own customers? Well, here's a little bit of the story. This is out of the Epic Times. Apple announced Thursday it it is planning to scan all iPhones in the United States for child abuse imagery, raising alarm among security experts who said the plan could allow the firm to surveil tens of millions of personal devices for unrelated reasons. In a blog post, the company confirmed reports saying that new scanning technology is part of a suite of child protection programs that would, quote, evolve and expand, unquote. It will, be, it will be rolled out as part of iOS 15, which is scheduled for release sometime in August. So right now, I think the latest version on your phone is probably 14.7 something, but they're about to roll out 15, and this comes with that. So what could be wrong? I mean, 
Name me one person who is not interested in, in finding people who abuse children. I mean, I can't think of any. We would all want people who abuse children to face justice. We would all want people who would kidnap, harm, or, or whatever to children to face justice. Heck, we want Planned Parenthood to face justice for their cooperation in the abortion of children every day. So what could be wrong here? Well, it's that key word. Expand and evolve. Expand into what? I mean, if they're going to be searching your, uh, your, your pictures that are stored on the iCloud for child abuse, could it expand and evolve into something else? I mean, what if you're, you're not a big fan of, of mandates? Would that be a problem? What if you're, you know, you don't hold the right political opinions could that be a problem? What if you're, uh, you know, uh, let's just say committed uh, Christians in a man and wife marriage and you oppose the transgender ideologies? Would that be a problem? What if you have one too many kids according to their standards? Would that be a problem? Who knows? I don't know. I have no idea. I would hope that none of that is going to be the case. But we don't know, especially when they use cryptic language like expand and evolve. The article goes on to say, uh, Apple, which has often touted itself as a company that promises to safeguard users' rights to privacy, appeared to try and preempt privacy concerns by saying that the software will enhance those protections by avoiding the need to carry out widespread image scanning on its cloud servers. Quote, this innovative new technology allows Apple to provide valuable and actionable information to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and law enforcement regarding the proliferation of known CSAM. Uh, the company said, referring to an acronym for child sexual abuse material. It goes on to say, quote, and it does so while providing significant privacy benefits over existing techniques since Apple only learns about users' photos if they have a collection of CSAM in their iCloud Photos account. Even in these cases, Apple only learns about images that match known CSAM. So here's the deal. Here's the summary. They're going to scan all your images in iCloud. And the ones that match their requirements, apparently there's going to be some number, like you have to have X number of these images that match the standard before the red flags are raised. And then they start providing this information to these federal agencies and these groups. Well, what is the standard? What, 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 like pictures of your kid crying, does that count? Well, that uh, be an earmarker for CSAM? What is the standard? What is the protocol that you're going to be following? And how many of these images are is one supposed to have before you start raising a red flag? Again, it's all very ambiguous, and who who really knows? But I think it's very clear that these connected devices that have made our life so incredibly convenient and easy are going to be working against us in some ways. And the, uh, the ability, although it's a good cause to prevent child abuse, the ability to abuse this and, and uh, infringe upon uh, our liberties, our rights as human beings, it could be very high and could be very great. The question is how many of us are willing to give up these conveniences to protect our freedoms. Adrian, I know you have a story. Yes, the uh, real quickly, we have about a minute and a half. Uh, the MSN reports about a, that 32% of 
the uh, of LGBTQ Olympians won a medal in Tokyo. And that's an incredibly high number. They say uh, out of 175 number of athletes who competed who are LGBT, 56 of them won a medal. That's 32% higher than the vast majorities of countries. And all those 56 help from at least 30 countries themselves. So this is a huge problem. Why is this a huge problem? Well, one thing is notice that all of these transgender athletes are all uh, men who are pretending to be women, not women pretending to be men. And so that's an interesting thing. The other thing is that this is not just a small thing anymore. Because whenever we hear about transgender issues happening, we think, oh, well, that's a Western problem. That's an American problem. The Olympics is a global stage. This is something that's going to be influencing people all over the world. It's a, it's a move by the transgender movement in order to try to normalize transgenderism worldwide. The Olympics is the perfect, uh, staging ground for this. Whereas whenever things happen on, in the States, well, we could say, okay, well, that's just the United States problem. That's just a Canada problem. That's just an England problem. But whenever we export this, because this comes from 30 countries, at a minimum of 30 countries. That's a lot of countries. Like, there's not 30 of these major countries that are like the U.S., Canada, England, uh, Wales, and the like. This is 30 countries from all over the world sending transgender athletes who are men who are who think they're women, who are pretending to be women, and they are in uh, the Olympics competing at the highest levels and winning uh, medals at an incredibly high rate. Uh, so this is very important. I think uh, we need to keep our eyes out for the transgender movement and its advances. I also want to give a special shout out to the bishops of Colorado. I want to thank you, your excellencies, for defending the rights of your parishioners, of your faithful, to have a religious exemption against the mandates that would be forced upon them. Thank you for recognizing that some have a credible reason to not work this. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. The Catechism defines an indulgence as a remission before God of the temporal punishment due to sins whose guilt has already been forgiven. But is it biblical to say punishment remains after God has forgiven our sins and that we can do something to satisfy it? I think it is. For example, David is forgiven of his sin in 2 Samuel 12, but yet must suffer the death of his son. Even Jesus teaches in Luke 12 that the servant who sins without full knowledge will be punished, but in a lesser degree. It is such temporal consequences that indulgences remit. Exercising her power to bind and loose, the church grants indulgences to help her children heed St. Paul's exhortation in Philippians 2.12, work out your salvation. So, is the Catholic understanding of an indulgence biblical? You bet it is. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janelle Lay, and here are your headline news. Lots of headlines today from Blaze. Antifa attacks families at Christian prayer event in Portland Park. Chicago police officer Ella French, 29, murdered during traffic stop only two months after giving birth to baby. 
Dr. Fauci warns Americans should expect flood of COVID vaccine mandates after FDA gives shots full approval. Man convicted of assaulting his pregnant girlfriend, then trying to abort her baby. Police say teen shot woman waiting to pick up kids from Catholic school. Quebec moves ahead with vaccination passports. A scientist says Delta variant is more transmissible, not more deadly. Catholic hospital pressures women to abort at facility that just botched three abortions. Biden administration extends student loan repayment moratorium until January 31st. Hillsong megachurch founder charged with allegedly covering up child sex abuse. Virginia school district sends second graders videos reviling police, telling them to get into good trouble and saying, I feel safe when there are no police. Princeton offering Black Lives Matter course with readings from avowed Marxist. NASA is looking for people who want to spend a year simulating a mission on Mars. Guests forced to, le- to delete photos and videos of maskless Obama at Boozy birthday party. University of Wisconsin removes Boulder from campus after students say the rock is a symbol of racism, citing one news article from 1925. And from the blaze, transgender advocates annoyed as trailer hits for series about plague that kills every mammal with Y chromosome, except for one man. Reported by LifeSite, research shows therapy successfully treats most cases of transgenderism. New evidence is dismantling the left's dangerous transgender ideology. A report written by an epidemiologist consultant to the American College of Pediatricians and published by AC Peds last month found compelling evidence for treating gender dysphoria with therapy rather than drugs and surgery after reviewing more than a dozen studies. For decades, many of transgenderism's researchers and clinicians have promoted a false ideology. If a man, woman, or child claims to be a member of the opposite sex or expresses a keen desire to change sex through hormonal and surgical intervention, then there is nothing one can do but affirm or facilitate that person's belief or desire, the report said. A key component of this ideology is that psychotherapeutic interventions have been tried exhaustively in such patients and that nothing worked. In reality, none of this is true, the report stated. The truth is that many clinicians have offered psychotherapy and behavioral therapies to help their patients with identity disturbances fixated on gender or change of sex and often with success. The report noted decades after the emergence of gender medicine, there has never yet been even one rigorous study comparing the use of psychotherapy in patients with gender dysphoria to any kind of control condition. The epidemiologist who chose to remain anonymous, nevertheless, identified 15 studies that recorded results of psychotherapeutic or behavioral approaches that used to help patients overcome gender dysphoria. The studies involved participants ranging from age 12 to late adulthood, with methods including psychotherapy, psychoanalysis, and group therapy. One small successful study used cognitive behavioral therapy which the report described as the current global standard in psychotherapy. Results from the 15 studies were overwhelmingly positive. All studies reported complete or mixed success in resolving the gender or transsexual troubles of their participants. No studies reported only failure. There is compelling evidence that suggests that psychotherapy may be efficacious in treating gender dysphoria. Psychologists should offer cognitive behavioral therapy-based care to patients presenting with gender concerns. 
and other clinicians should refer these patients for such care. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a good Monday. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, uh, Janelle. Four days in a wake up and then you're done. You never have to read the news again. Well, imagine that. Uh, joining us right now via Zoom chat, Anthony Barone Colink is our guest. He is a uh, retired Air Force JAG officer, 21 years of military service. He also teaches law and authors legal case books, book chapters, and journal articles on matters of, of constitutional law, homeschooling law, and military policy. He's a professor at University of Dallas, and uh, we're happy to have you on the program this morning. Good morning to you, Mr. Colink. Uh, he fell off the chat, but he'll be back in a second. <laughs> so we'll fun. we'll uh, have him on in just one second. Well, praise be to God. Hopefully, he'll be back on soon. But the, the part of the conversation we want to have with Mister Colink is about secular readers. Now, uh, I have I have six kids and two grandkids, and my kids are voracious readers. They'll they'll read they'll consume like uh, you know like like hungry little kids. They'll just consume content. So we have to be very careful about what they're consuming. Um, because it can be very difficult for them to process. There could be themes that are that are challenging or even scandalous, and we have to just be very careful. So we want to have a conversation around that. And I think he's back on with us, uh, Mr. Kolink. Are you with us? I sure am. Praise be to God. Can you hear me? Right. Good morning. Thanks for having us, or thanks for being on morning. with us. Um, so let's talk about the trouble in secular readers. Uh, from I know you've written a, a trilogy of books, and I want to get into the, what those are. But let's start with the secular side. Where do you see the problems? Well, to me, the biggest problem, I mean, there's several problems, but I guess the biggest problem is that we in modern times have divorced our faith from the rest of our lives. And the way that secular books are written, they're afraid to bring in anything about the faith. So pretty much they they convey a false sense of how we live. You know, most of us don't have a life where we are entirely devoid of God, faith, church, ethics, you know, but that's the way you would think most of society was when you just read a secular book. And as a kid, especially if they're reading book after book where God is simply entirely absent, not that it's necessarily anti-God, but God is just entirely absent. uh, I think it conveys to them the message that, you know, God isn't important and is not part of our lives. I've, I'm always, as a parent, as I was saying a minute ago, I've got six kids, two grandkids, and uh, my kids are voracious readers. I, I'm jealous because when I was their age, I disliked reading, and, and uh, it became uh, a, a difficulty for me to overcome as an adult. Uh, whereas if there's a book within 10 feet, it probably gets read very quickly, which means I have to guard the books we have, you know, especially on my shelves. I catch my kids going through my stuff all the time. Um, I find it difficult to ensure that the stuff that they're consuming is not filled with some sort of an agenda. And I know within the past, uh, let's say, 15, 20 years, that middle grade reader genre has exploded. Um, earlier, Adrian was talking about his love for Percy Jackson. And, uh, of course, we had the Harry Potter series that really went crazy. I know Raymond Arroyo at uh, EWTN wrote a series of books in hopes of busting into that genre. Um, tell us about the phenomenon of that early, that middle-aged reader genre. I mean, it's such a developmental time in their lives. And, and, and in some ways, because, uh, you know, we can still get them to read somewhat when they're middle uh, school-aged. Uh, because, you know, once 
you know, they get into high school and they're busy with other uh, items in their lives, it may be harder to get them to read. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, we have this period of time when they're in elementary and middle school where they're reading due to, you know, uh, their their classes, they're getting supplemental books. Um, They might even have their parents, you know, having a lot more influence about, hey, you need to read a book. Um, And so I think it is a really important time in their development and I think this is the time when they're also developing their ideas about the world. And that's why it is so critical that we give them something that is uh, not only not going to be anti-God, but something that will encourage them to think about, you know, where does faith fit into my life as I'm getting older? You know, the uh, we're about three minutes before we have to go to a break, and then we'll be back on the other side. Um, I was at, we had a party last night with my family for my aunt's birthday, and my baby uh, cousin was there who is uh, in pre-K. She's uh, three or four years old, and she's just now learning to read, and it's quite terrifying. So my my mom was like digging through our old books, trying to find books for to give her to read, because all these books are, there was a, Ali Stuckey said recently, she said, if you don't indoctrinate your kids, someone else will. And uh, the problem is these children books today are all about transgenderism, LGBT ideology, critical race theory, and they're shoving these things down the throats of our children. And often unbeknownst to most parents because they buy these books, they have a nice little cover, they look like they're for children, and they get them and they give them to the kids without reading them first. Um, what's the antidote to this and uh, what should parents be aware of and what, how should we teach them the faith? We need to indoctrinate them in our faith. There is no doubt that, you know, people have an agenda. Publishers have an agenda. I mean, they've always had an agenda of some sort. But like you pointed out, I mean, now the agenda is something that probably to most of us who are a little bit older as parents, you know, it would be shocking to think, really, that's your agenda? That's what you want to push to, you know, the littlest of children. But the reality is that is that is actually what's happening. So I think, you know, the answer is, A, have great you know, alternatives to that, uh, you know, to those books that are out there and B, have a way for parents to find those books. You know, I mean, there are a lot of really good uh, books for little kids that are are clearly, you know, you go to a trusted publisher, somebody that you know isn't going to put something like that out, find places where they review these kinds of books and uh, from a family friendly point of view. So that, you know, you can be sure that you're not feeding something. And then, frankly, read it yourself. I mean, kids' books aren't that difficult to read. You know, read it yourself as a parent first and make sure that it's something that you're okay with. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Read it yourself first. My wife has been been uh, the guard, the, ga- the gatekeeper of many of that literature at our house. So we know how that goes. But don't go anywhere. On the other side of this break, we're going to jump into uh, Mr. Kolink's uh, books. He's got three, he's got a trilogy out, a fictional series four kids and we're going to get to the lowdown on that plus so much more coming up right after this very short break catholic drive time is headed your way we'll be right back this is dale alquist with a chesterton minute how many times have you heard the complaint that church is boring that we just do the same things over and over again Well, the problem is not that church is boring, it's that we are bored. We are the problem. And not just with church, but with everything else. We have lost our childlike sense of wonder. G.K. Chesterton says that children have abounding vitality, and yet they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again! 
and a grown-up person doesn't until he's nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It's possible that God says every morning, Do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. Praise be to God. Anthony Barone Kolink is our guest. He is a professor at the University of, of Dallas, and we're talking about um, fictional writing, uh, secular and the Catholic response. You know, uh, welcome back to the program, Mr. Kolink, but I remember um, a colleague of mine, Doug Pearson, God rest his soul. He had nine kids uh, when he passed away of cancer, and um, he would... He loved to read to his kids, and he loved the Redwall series. And uh, he he introduced me to the Redwall series, and I was able to introduce that to my kids uh, along with my wife. And uh, and again, they just ate this up. It's the kind of fictional writing that, as some similar to say Lord of the Rings or whatever, you have to find the undertones. You gotta you gotta read between the lines to find those themes and sort of Catholic thinking, that kind of thing. Um, and there's a subtlety in it, but there is, um, it's almost like an advanced subtlety. Now, you've gotten into uh, writing fiction, which I find fascinating since you teach law. Uh, you know, uh, how, you, how did you get into fictional writing? And tell us about your three books. Well, I mean, I, uh, I mean I've always enjoyed the idea of writing. And you'd be surprised how many lawyers dabble with fictional writing on the side, maybe because uh, we have to write so much nonfiction. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a uh, father of five. Uh, we homeschooled our kids. I actually also write a column for Practical Homeschooling Magazine. Um, and so, you know, I wanted, for all the reasons that you've been talking about, I wanted there to be something out there. My son was 12 years old at the time when I started uh, writing this series, The Hardwood Mysteries. And I wanted there to be something out there that would not only have sort of that Harry Potter vibe with kind of a spooky, interesting, adventurous story, but also that would have good values that would, you know, help our kids to, you know, have good lessons and even see that the faith is not divorced from our lives. And so this series, uh, you know, The Harwood Mysteries takes place in 12th century England. It's a historical fiction um, with a heavy emphasis on mystery and adventure, um, along with some religious themes kind of, you know, uh, put in throughout. And it's about a boy who gets, uh, his, his village gets attacked by bandits, and he winds up at a Benedictine abbey being raised by the monks. Mm. And uh, he, he has a friend, Lucy, who's about the same age. The series starts when he's 11 years old. And they basically have to solve various spooky mysteries. Um, I know you can't see it on the radio, but, you know, Shadow in the Dark, which is book one, uh, is basically the mystery is not only about the bandits and why are they attacking, you know, our villages and that kind of thing. But there's also this kind of shadowy, you know, figure like the Grim Reaper that's roaming around the Abbey grounds and all the boys think it's the angel of death coming Mm. to take their souls. And he's got to figure out, well, who is this? 
and and uh, and why is it there? By the way, this this one won six book awards. I'm super um, stoked about that. Wow. Um, and then the second book, The Haunted Cathedral, picks up the story. You could see on the cover, uh, you know, Zan and Lucy wind up going to Lincoln, England, where they uh, you know, are doing several things. But one of the things they're doing is trying to figure out if this cathedral, Lincoln Cathedral, is haunted by the ghost of a little girl. And Zan is also trying to communicate with his parents who are in heaven now and this type of thing. And then the third book, which just came out in July, is The Fire of Eden. And you could see the cover has this Gandalf-looking magician wizard on the front. But this is like a jewel thief kind of a book. A ruby is stolen, and it's a whodunit. And, and this magician is one of the potential suspects. And so, you know, you could see that they're, they're meant to sort of have a, a spooky vibe to them. But at the same time, it's the story of a boy and a girl who were growing up trying to figure out, what does God want me to do in my life? You know, why are these different you know, uh, challenges in my life happening, you know, how is it even possible to have faith? Does God love me? Well, why are all these terrible things happening to my family and this kind of thing? And so it, it works on several levels. You know, uh, your choice to do historical fiction, I found incredibly interesting to me because it seems like you need to do a lot of research to make sure you're not just making things up about history. And at the same time, I was always, uh, I was always a little skeptical about the historical fiction novels on the saints because i was always like you know i i mean i heard they're really good stories but i'm gonna get confused about which what did uh, what did they actually do and what was fiction and i'm gonna end up telling people oh yeah it turns out this saint did x y or z and it's like oh wait that was a fiction uh so what how how do you approach uh writing fiction and uh what was that like and how do kids should kids read historical fiction well, it's historical, but it's fiction, right? So, um, and, and, and different levels, uh, you know, historical fiction, some of them are more on the historical and some are more on the fiction. Uh, my books are set in a historical setting. Some of them are keyed off of major historical events, like that second book in Lincoln Cathedral. Um, I really built the entire book around a major event that happens in Lincoln in 1185 A.D., uh, but you're right. I mean, and, and uh, you know, a lot of these books, you're not sure. I mean, like the conversations, we don't have, you know, probably real time conversations from, uh, you know, the 12th century that we could put in these books. Um, but uh, what's nice is Loyola Press, who's the publisher of this series, they actually put a, a nice little section at the beginning of each book, how to read historical fiction. And it answers your question exactly, right? This idea that, yes, we're looking at uh, a fictional story. But we're also learning about the setting. So in, in Shadow in the Dark, you know, students, uh, you know, who are learning about the Middle Ages, about feudalism, about the, the church, about monastic life, about the relationship of, of church and state with King Henry uh, II and the Pope. I mean, all of these are, are things that sort of are conveyed just through the setting, through some of the conversations that go on. And then, like I said, some of the books actually key off of actual historical events. Um, but you're right. Historical fiction has the word fiction in there for a reason. Hmm. Uh, Anthony Kolink is our guest, and we're talking about his uh, three books right now that he's published, which you can find at the HarwoodMysteries.com website, the HarwoodMysteries.com website. Check that out. Um, you know, as a parent, though, I have always been very leery of books that engage in the occult practices. Um, I fear that they normalize in the mind of young, impressionable kids uh, that occult is somehow okay to play with. 
uh, I'm thinking of the Harry Potter series in particular. I know there's been lots of uh, hot debates over uh, Harry Potter versus Lord of the Rings. Um, I, as a family, we have embraced Lord of the Rings, but we've rejected Harry Potter. What say you on that topic? <laughs> well, when my kids were small, we rejected Harry Potter uh, and, and embraced Lord of the Rings. But you're right. It is, it is a little tough to, you know, when you've got all the magic in the Lord of the Rings, it, it's hard to explain to somebody, well, why is that magic okay, but the magic in Harry Potter is not um, you know, I, to tell you the truth, I really enjoy the Harry Potter series now. And as my kids got older, you know, obviously you have to allow them to, um, you know, be themselves and explore and, and, you know, a little bit more than when they're younger. Um, but maybe the most important thing that you said is that, you know, you actually were paying attention to what was going on as a parent. And you might've even had those conversations with the kids, if you're going to be talking about these things. Uh, what's interesting, and, and, and I look at that in my books, too, because I want to kind of have the spooky vibe, but I don't want to introduce kids to the occult by any means. So, And so I'm always sort of having to, to straddle that line. Like the second book is about, is this is this cathedral haunted by the ghost of a little girl? And one of the conversations that um, Zan, my main character, has with one of the monks is, well, what's the difference between a saint and a ghost? Because the monk is like, well, no, this this cathedral's not haunted by a little girl. And, and Zan is like, but wait, you told me that, you know, when people die, they're in heaven and we can communicate with them, you know, through the communion of saints. So what is that about? And, and these things are important conversations to have. And so, um, yes, I think we need to be careful um, not to introduce kids to the occult. And that's partly why you have to trust the, uh, you know, the publisher and the author that you're, you're getting this from. We have just about uh, three and a half minutes, maybe four minutes left in our conversation with Anthony Kolink, and I kind of want to transition to something tangibly related, and that is parental rights. You know, the catechism says that we as parents are the primary educators of our kids. Uh, we're homeschoolers, and, um, and many families are having to uh, wake up to the reality that if they don't speak up, they're going to lose absolute control over what gets taught to their kids, especially in public schools. Um, how do you see that? You're an attorney. You teach, you teach the law. How do you see the, the, where we're at now versus where we're going when it comes to parental rights to homeschool or to even be a, a engaged in the conversation uh, at these public school meetings and, and whatnot? Well, and I appreciate that. And as an attorney, I also write a legal column for Practical Homeschooling Magazine. So I do stay in touch with these issues. Um, you know, there's good news and bad news. The good news is that parental rights are a real thing. Uh, the Supreme Court that we currently have at the U.S. Supreme Court level, I think, probably has a lot of justices who believe in parental rights. Um, and so in some ways, homeschooling, the ability of parents to teach their kids, in some ways has never been better than right now in the sense that, you know, we have the freedom to do these things. The bad news is, you know, in some ways, we may have already lost the battle at the public school level mm. and in many private schools because, uh, I mean, so much has happened and we don't have a lot of control. And, you know, you're one parent on a school board trying to voice an opinion um, and, and the, these curriculums are coming down from publishers with agendas. And so in some ways, that's why so many people have turned to homeschooling. I'm sure that's probably something you thought about when you started homeschooling your kids because you really don't have that control. Now, maybe if you're sending your kids to a, a good Catholic school, you feel a little better. 
Um, but uh, yeah, th- that's why I'm a proponent of homeschooling. But do you do you see there's going to be an issue with states uh, that are going to be imposing? Because yeah, every state can have its own rules when it comes to homeschoolers in particular. And we are seeing some states now wanting to audit what homeschoolers are teaching their kids. Yeah, and this has always been a concern with homeschoolers. They want the freedom to teach their kids as they see fit. Um, And there's going to have to be some sort of a balance that is struck. But at some point, if states come down and tell parents you have to teach your kids, whatever, you were just talking about transgender in the last segment, you know, um, I think parents will have a strong argument that for religious reasons, they should have the control over certain parts of that curriculum. All right. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. We might have to have you back to have an expanded conversation about that. But uh, Anthony Kolnick, uh, thank you for your time today. We're very grateful to you. Thank you. I appreciate having you on, uh, me on the show. Check out his website. Go to find his books at theharwoodmysteries.com. Theharwoodmysteries.com. Check them out online. But that's going to do it for the first hour of Catholic Drive Time. If you can join us in the second hour, brand new prize sponsor, and the game is coming up. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We hope you can join us. Look for us online at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. I have a friend who says that baptism is a symbolic act and that it has nothing to do with salvation. How can I answer him? Simple. Show him what the Bible says. Nowhere does the Bible say that baptism is merely a symbolic act. That passage simply does not exist. But the Bible does say this about baptism. In Ezekiel 36, verses 25 to 27, it says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will put my spirit within you. Here in the Old Testament, we have a foreshadowing of New Testament baptism. In the New Testament, Acts 2, verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. No symbolic language here. The book of Acts says, Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Ezekiel says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from your uncleannesses. The book of Acts says, And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel says, And I will put my spirit within you. Do you begin to see how God in the Old Covenant was preparing us for what He gives us in the New Covenant? Acts 22, 16, And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. What body was that? The body of Christ. 1 Peter 3, 21, Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Scripture simply does not support the non-Catholic notion that baptism is symbolic. Scripture does, however, very clearly and directly support the Catholic teaching that baptism saves us, that baptism makes us members of the body of Christ, that baptism washes away sin, and that through baptism we receive the Holy Spirit just as the Church teaches. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. 
GloryAndShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryAndShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryAndShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryAndShine.com. Thank you again. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. You have survived the weekend. Congratulations. You made it through. You get to go back to it now. Let's pray for a good week. Let's pray that uh, it's a productive week. But we have a great show lined up for you this hour. We just wrapped up a conversation with Anthony Barone Kolink, a professor at University of Dallas, on um, fictional writing for kids. Uh, wonderful conversation about secular versus the Catholic response. He's got three fictional books out, which are over at the HarwoodMysteries.com website. But it made me think over the weekend, one of the things that we did as a family was we watched a 1937 uh, movie about uh, entitled Captain's Courageous. Now, we had gone through the book. This is a, a Rudyard Kipling book. Captain's Courageous. We went through this book last year, I think. I can't remember. Great book, great story. There's even some Catholic themes in there, Catholic characters in there. That's pretty fascinating. And in uh, 1937, they made a movie about the book. Unfortunately, kind of like they did with Lord of the Rings, they, didn't, they just didn't follow the book all that well. But, uh, but overall, the film was great. And, uh, and I highly encourage you to watch it. Uh, Captain's Courageous from 1937. Good morning to you, Janelle. Have you seen Captain's Courageous from 1937? No, I have not. Why not? It's it's practically. Brilliant. I haven't watched most of the things you've <laughs> you've talked about on air, but that is on my to do list. So, feel so old. Wow. <laughs> uh, you well, look it up. That's your homework assignment okay, today I'll is look to it look up, up Captain's yes. Courageous. Uh, I know Adrian has. He's a movie lover. Of course, he watches good films, no matter the age. Good morning to you, Adrian Fonseca. It's good to have you on the program again. Uh, Save me here. You have obviously seen Captain's Courageous from 1937. You know, I would have watched it, but like you said, I like good movies. Sorry. (sighs) Wow. Ah, Can't help it. I can't help it. Uh, do you want me to hold on to the knife in my back, or do you need it back? Oh, uh, no, curious. you can keep it. It's fine. Oh, okay, cool. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right, so I know that there's people in the audience who have seen Captain's Courageous. I can't be the only old person around. Surely there is someone who's seen this film. It's worthy of seeing. You should look it up. Uh, we, we got it off of uh, Amazon That came Prime. out in the 1800s, right? 1937. Do you- oh, okay. Okay. There you go. Uh, double major uh, Fonseca there. At any rate, uh, great conversation with uh, Anthony Kolink. We're going to be posting that. Co- I would love to say we're going to post it to YouTube, but we've been banned from YouTube for a week. So we're going to be posting it to Rumble. You can always watch it there. We'll also post it to our Facebook page, right? Yes, sir. And we should be back onto YouTube on Wednesday. So keep nope. an eye out for that. We are live streaming to our website, but unfortunately, the embedded player does buffer a lot there. So one of the things we're looking into is Odyssey. 
Now, there's good things and bad things about Odyssey, O-D-Y-S-E-E. It's kind of the wild, wild west a little bit. It's built on blockchain technology, which kind of makes it very unique for a video platform. But if we can live stream, I'm hoping and praying that that is a better quality experience. So we're working on that. If you want to find us on Odyssey, we are posting videos there as well. O-D-Y-S-E-E. Search for Catholic Drive Time. Make sure to follow us because that's part of what I need in order to to get to live streaming. So we're working on some things in the back end to improve viewer experience while YouTube decides it will allow us access to the people or not, which you said is going to happen on Wednesday. Yes, our overlords let us back in on Wednesday. Thank you, your generous overlords. We're, we're very grateful to you. All right, in this hour at 15 past, we play our fear and trembling game show and we have a brand new prize sponsor who's on deck this week uh, janelle this week we are sponsored graciously by saint wave that's saint wave as like the wave as in like the waves of the sea um it's a great apparel catholic apparel accessories and sticker store it's run by a jewish catholic convert and based out of dc if you go to www.saintwave.net that will lead you to their shop on etsy you can also follow them on instagram at saintwave.33 ad and the prize they'll be offering this week is a t-shirt and a sweatshirt of the winner's choice and if you look at it yeah thanks be to god and their store has some pretty cool pretty cool attire nice yes now diego won last week with motherboards so hopefully we're hooking him up yes sir with our sponsor and then this week we have a brand new opportunity and at 15 past and 10 minutes from now, we will play the game. The phone number and the rules are listed on our website. By the way, our friend of the show, Mike K, watching live on grnonline.com forward slash CDT. He loves Captain's Courageous. Watch the movie, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's pray and jump into the hour. The second half of the hour, we're going to do an after show. It'll be an abbreviated one because it's Monday, but uh, we'll conversate with you about whatever you want to talk about for at least a few minutes on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and the good news with Janelle Lay. So here's an article from Life News. After helping athletes choose life, Allison Felix wins more Olympic medals than any woman in track history. Allison Felix, a U.S. athlete dedicated to supporting mothers and children, just set an Olympic record as the most decorated female track athlete in history. The AP reports Felix won her 10th Olympic medal on Friday, a bronze after she finished third in the 400-meter race in Tokyo. The 35-year-old athlete and mother could have the chance to win an 11th medal if she competes in the 4x400 relay final on Saturday, according to the report. Earlier this summer, the 35-year-old athlete established a fund to help Olympic athletes with childcare expenses. Many pro-life advocates have praised Felix for advocating for athletes who are mothers, noting how frequently female athletes face pressure to abort their unborn babies. As a mother and athlete, I know firsthand the obstacles women face in sports, Felix said in July when she was announced the new Power of She Fund in partnership with Alethea and Women's Sports Foundation. 
Felix has spoken candidly about the struggle to come back from a difficult pregnancy that led to an emergency C-section and puts the lives of both her baby and her in jeopardy. She's spoken about the pressure she felt to return quickly, even when her body wasn't responding the way it once did. Not long after her daughter Cameron was born, Felix said she was slated to compete at the World Championships. She said she was exhausted from training, taking care of her daughter, then and she learned that she was supposed to share a room at the competition with another athlete, making it basically impossible for her to bring her daughter. Felix said the experience ex inspired her to do more than to help athletes who are mothers. Also from Life News, study shows pregnancy centers cut abortion rate 30% as they save babies from abortion. Father of world's most premature baby who beat 0% chance to survive says he's my hero. Woman with spina bifida who was not expected to live 60 seconds celebrates her 60th birthday. And lastly from Life News, a new study from millions of women confirms women don't need abortion. A new peer-reviewed study of nearly 8 million pregnancies debunks the abortion industry's negative narrative that abortion is a normative experience for mothers, finding that mothers with both births and abortions are rare. The new study, authored by Dr. James Stadnicki and a team of Charlotte Loiser Institute scholars, revealed that out of nearly 5 million Medicaid-enrolled women with at least one pregnancy, less than 6% had both births and abortions. Researchers also found that women in the study population almost never used abortion as a tool to space their children. CLI President Charles A. Chuck Donovan said, The abortion industry wants America to believe that abortion is a normal experience for mothers. They want to make it acceptable to target vulnerable women and children by citing estimates and surveys conducted at abortion centers to support the narrative that everybody is doing it. This new peer-reviewed research proves these narratives simply aren't true. Most mothers are not undergoing abortions. We know that instinctively. We know that based on logic. Now we know it based on data. And from Crook's Australian Catechist's book introduces theology of the body to children, thanks be to God. Musicologist hopes to reconstruct 12th century organ from Bethlehem Church. And last but not least, here's a fun article from the Epic Times. British man builds Hobbit House in his backyard to fulfill childhood dream. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm Janelle Lay. God love you and have a good Monday. The saint of the day is St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, better known as Edith Stein. She was born on the 12th of October, 1891 in Breslau, Dolnowski, Germany, which is now Wroclaw, Poland. And she was the youngest of seven children in a Jewish family. Edith lost interest in the faith of Judaism by the age of 13. She was a brilliant student and philosopher with an interest in phenomenology. She studied at the University of Göttingen, Germany, and in Brisgau, Germany. She earned her doctorate in philosophy in 1916 by the age of 25. I don't think I'm going to be able to get that in two years. Witnessing the strength of faith of Catholic friends led her to an interest in Catholicism, which led her to studying the catechism on her own. This led her to reading herself into the faith. She converted to Catholicism in Cologne, Germany, and was baptized in St. Martin's Church in, Bergs in Bergsbaren, Germany, on the 1st of January, 1922. She became a Carmelite nun in 1934, taking the name Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. She was a teacher in the Dominican school Inspire Germany and a lecturer at the Educational Institute of Munich, Germany. 
However, anti-Jewish pressure from the Nazis forced her to resign both positions. She was a profound spiritual writer, and both being Jewish and Catholic, she was smuggled out of Germany and assigned to Echt, Netherlands in 1938. When the Nazis invaded the Netherlands, she and her sister Rose, also a convert to Catholicism, were captured and sent to the consecration camp, concentration camp Auschwitz, where they died in the gas chambers like so many others. She died on the 9th of August, 1942, in the ovens of Auschwitz. She was canonized on the 11th of October, 1998, by Pope John Paul II. St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 17, verses 22 through 27. As Jesus and his disciples were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is to be handed over to men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. And they were overwhelmed with grief. When they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the tax of the temple tax approached Peter and said, Does not your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he said. When he came into the house, before he had time to speak, Jesus asked him, What is your opinion, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take tolls or census tax? From their subjects or from foreigners? When he said, from foreigners, Jesus said to him, Then the subjects are exempt, but that we may not offend them. Go to the sea, drop in a hook, and take the first fish that comes up. Open its mouth, and you will find a coin worth twice the temple tax. Give that to them, for me and for you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Jerome had a great quote on this passage today. Jerome said, I am at a loss what first to admire in this passage, whether the foreknowledge or the mighty power of the Savior. His foreknowledge in that he knew that a fish had a shekel in its mouth and that the fish should be first taken his mighty power, if the shekel were created in the fish mouth at his word, and if by his command that which was to happen was ordered. Christ then, for his eminent love, endured the cross and paid tribute. How wretched we who are called by the name of Christ, though we do nothing worthy of so great dignity, yet in respect of his majesty pay no tribute, but are exempt from tax as the king's sons, unquote. St. Jerome. Well, that leaves us almost no time to ask uh, Adrian what he found, but maybe in the after show he can comment uh, a little bit out of Cornelius Alapide, so you have to stick around for that. But we're going to go to break, and we're going to come back and play Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where you might win some prizes, and you don't need to know the answers to win. And uh, looks like we got some great questions on the line today. The phone number you got to call right now if you want to play the game is 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Call right now and be our contestant. 877-757-9424. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, 
your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2.10-11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2.10-11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda, and I'll tell you all about it. But here's the deal. The phone lines are wide open. So if you've never played or if it's been a while since you've played and you would like to play, if you called right now, you will be the contestant. 877-757-9424. Prizes are at stake. You could win. 877-757-9424 is the phone number. 877-757-9424. Call right now. 877-757-9424. And here's the deal. We have three uh, agenda items. These are secret and hidden agenda items. I don't like to make them public, so please don't tell anybody I said this, but we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions. And you might learn something that you didn't know before, and praise be to God for that, right? And then, of course, we like to have fun, and our contestants tend to be a good time. They laugh with us, and uh, and they enjoy you know, the process, and we enjoy that, hanging out with them, and we appreciate their calling in. So there's that. And then, of course, We like to give out prizes, which kind of makes it a winner for everybody involved. But here's the kicker. We don't ask the caller any of the questions. So they don't have to know the answers to still win our game and possibly win the prize. Instead, I will ask Janelle and I will ask Adrian. And one of them will be right and the other will be wrong. The caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more, Janelle or Adrian? And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Janelle, what could they 
they win? They can win a t-shirt and sweatshirt of their choice from Saintwave, our sponsor for this week. If you look at their store, they have some really cool designs on Catholic apparel and other great accessories. They have a t-shirt that says Dominus Vobiscum, which is Latin for the Lord be with you, and a picture of how the priest gets ready for the Mass. They have t-shirts um, as well as stickers that say make the mass latin again um, <laughs> they also have a do you know like how the way uh, the friends logo um, looks like so they have a shirt that says the one where father chad ripperger talks about gnosticism um, they have a, a picture of a um, one with a picture of a hamburger uh, it says not on friday um, and uh, saint damien of malachi and all, all sorts of really cool knickknacks and accessories um Fun. there's one with uh, the douay rames bible logo on it so that's pretty cool too <laughs> <That's hilarious. laughs> all right well thank you to our sponsor saintwave.net we're very grateful to you praise be to god all right let's go to the phones and play our game hey we did get several calls in uh, by the grace of god thank you if you don't make it on to the game show today Call back tomorrow. Play the game tomorrow. There'll be a new opportunity. But uh, Dina, good morning to you. Thank you for calling into our program. Thank you. Praise be to God. Dina, where are you calling from? Fredericksburg, Texas. Fredericksburg. That's a beautiful part of the world. Praise be to God. Uh, is it? How is the weather out there right now? Is it uh, humid or is it dry? It, what are you looking at? It's it's nice. It's, it, it gets hot in the afternoon, but mornings are bearable. It's, it's very nice. Praise be to God. Rolling hills of Texas. Uh, what a yes. grace. Uh, all right, so, Dina, are you familiar with the game? Do you know how it's played? Yes. Yes, uh, I am. And uh, pop quiz, who's trickier, Janelle or Adrian? I think Janelle. That's what I'm really? talking about. Really? You know, she's only got four days left on the on the show, so four days left. She can't lie. Oh, no. is a sin. I'm just saying, <laughs> because I'm looking out for your best interest, Dina. She may be out for blood. I don't know. You got to pay attention yeah. and I'm listen I'm going to become desperate. Carefully. I only have four days left. <laughs> All yeah. right. Are you ready to play, Dina? Yes, I am. Praise be to God. Let's go to Janelle. Janelle, it's one of the last opportunities. Are you ready? Perhaps. Are you sure? Maybe. Are you sure? Maybe. All right, Janelle. Can you tell me what famous French Jesuit missionary was martyred by the Mohawks? A famous French Jesuit missionary martyred by the Mohawks. Yes. yes. That mm-hmm. is the French mi- Jesuit missionary, uh, St. Isaac Jokes. Jokes. St. Isaac Jokes. That's I don't know answer? French. <laughs> I believe it's Jokes. Uh, I um, believe it's pronounced Jokes. Okay. So we'll go with that. Isaac Jokes is who you're saying. I, yes, Saint hmm. Isaac Jokes. Hmm. Okay. Let's uh, let's get a second opinion on this. Adrian, can you tell me what famous French Jesuit missionary was martyred by the Mohawks? Um, that's super weird. How can a Mohawk, a hairdo, murder someone? Uh, martyr someone. That's super weird. It's I don't. Atrocious make, fashion statement. Doesn't All really make it possible. Doesn't really make a lot of sense to mm. be honest. At least it wasn't um, a mullet. I, I'm just saying it's you know it's kind of weird. Yeah. But I'm gonna go with uh, Saint Saint Martin de Porres. You know the patron saint of hairdressers. Huh. Mm-hmm. Who 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 again was that? Saint Martin de Porres. Saint Martin de Porres, patron saint of hairdressers. You mm-hmm. say. Huh. It makes okay. a lot of sense to me. Okay. So, Dina, let me summarize for you. Uh, Adrian says it's St. Martin de Porres versus Janelle is saying it's St. Isaac Jogues. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Dina, what say you? I, you know, I'm going to take a shot in the dark. I'm going to go with Janelle. You said she was the trickiest. Are you sure? I know. <laughs> <laughs> 
The mohawk hairdressers. Good grief. You said them by the mohawks. I figured, you know. If there had been a mullet, would we call that mullet force trauma? I'm just curious. Probably, probably. Mm. This is cruel and unusual punishment. Mm. I swear that if I ever played this game, I was never going to get any of them right. (laughs) Well, you are wrong, Dina, okay? Because you have gotten one right. Madam, and now you're in the okay. coffee cup, and you could win in That's, spite of your own yes. self. There you go. Praise yes, be to God. Yes. Now, do you speak French, Dina? Do you know if it's jokes no. or yogs? No, I don't. I'm well, sorry. No, I've, no. I've only heard it pronounced jokes, I think, so okay. we're going to yes. go with that. And, but, uh, all right, yeah. you're in. Let's see if we can't double your chances. Now, I, I don't know how old you are, madam, but and I won't be asking either, but this next question, it goes back a lot of years. Let's just see how it goes. Okay. Uh, Adrian, okay. we'll start with you. Adrian, mm-hmm. I know you're a movie lover, or at least I thought I did until you. Anyway, uh, Adrian, can you tell Only me? Good ones. Can you tell me who may attend a movie that is given the classification of C by the Legion of Decency? Interesting. Interesting. The Legion of Decency classification C. That would be no one, because the C stands for condemned. Huh. Interesting. Wow. All right. Let's see what uh, Janelle has to say. Janelle, can you tell me uh, who may attend movies given the classification of C by the Legion of Decency? By the Legion of Decency. Well, I'm going to say that the C, the classification of C stands for C for Catholics. So Catholics can watch it. Only Catholics. Just Catholics. So no problem. Or like it's like it's like the Muslims. okay. Like it, it means no that Jews. Catholics are able to watch it without fearing that it contains like heresy or so, things like that. Okay, so pretty much it's like an imprimatur for movies. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. All right. So let me summarize for you, Dina. Here's the deal. Um, Janelle is saying uh, all Catholics can watch a film. Uh, that has a rating of C by the Legion of Decency, whereas Adrian is saying no Catholic should watch a movie with a rating of C because it means condemned by the Legion of Decency. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Dina, what say you? I say Adrian. Survey says... There you go. You got it. You got it. Two for two so far. (laughs) Wow. Do you um do you hustle for money? I'm just curious because uh, no, we're going to show Dina about. Oh, I didn't gonna get anybody right, and here you are just nailing them. Oh my gosh! Okay, oh my uh, p- bonus question: League of Decency does it still exist? I think it does. No, in fact, it's it does gone. not. It's gone. It's gone. The days are gone when the church really oh. hammered Hollywood and kept them in line. That's why well, I say I, go watch uh, Captain's Courageous I, I from 1937. It's the yeah. golden era. Yes, and I don't watch a lot of movies nowadays just because there's there's nothing in them They're anymore. Terrible. It's really good hard terrible. to find a good, good movie. All right, third yeah. question's a charm here. Let's see what happens. Uh, we'll go back to Janelle. Janelle, can you tell me, which religious order has the most number of priests? The most number of priests. I'm going to go with the Society of Jesus, the Jesuits. All right, time here. Uh, Adrian, can you tell me which religious order has the most number of priests? Obviously the Dominicans. 
<laughs> B- biased alert. Um, I, it just has to be. Okay, so A- Adrian is on the hook for Dominicans. Don't come at me with those facts and logic. Whereas Janelle is on the hook for Jesuits. <laughs> 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's oh wrong? Dina, what say you? I have to say Janelle. I'm sorry. Got it. That was a hard one. That was was really hard. Apologize for going with Janelle. Oh, I feel so guilty for choosing Janelle. I'm going to go to confession later. Father, I chose Janelle. I missed a great joke, though. I should have said Basilians because there's a Basilian of them. There's a Basilian of them. Yeah, you missed an opportunity. Jesuits is the correct answer. Nobody chose Franciscans. What's up with that? There's only like seven of those. All right. Well, you you got three questions you're in the cup you did a perfect score right. dina you. you did amazing thank for you. a lady who thought she wasn't going to get any right you got them all right congratulations you'll have to uh, you. you have to listen on friday to see if it's god's will that your name come out of that cup but we're going to put you on hold to get your I phone will. number god love you have a great thank day you. dina you too thank you praise be to god she was a lot of fun i love that that's awesome uh, but that's going to do it for the radio side of Catholic Drive Time today for a Monday. Praise be to Jesus. If you're able and you can join us in the after show, we would love to talk with you at least for a few minutes. You have to hang out with us on a live stream, which you can do right on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Tomorrow on the show, in the first hour, is Father Vincent Lambert, uh, the exorcist. And then, of course, Gabriel Castillo is coming back. A lot of great content coming up, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Uh, We look forward to it. Hopefully you'll join us. Tell a friend. That'd be awesome. God bless you. God love you. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. be to God. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time in the after show where we get a bit more casual about the conversation and it's Monday which means Adrian Fonseca kicks us off early. Amen. This whole thing about I've got another show to produce. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Seems fishy to me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Secretly there is no other show. Secretly. At any rate, uh, Bree Dale is coming up at uh, top of the hour. Praise be to God. Intersections is her show. You should check it out. You should tune in for that. It'll be coming uh, live stream at uh, 8. Plus, it'll be on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And you can always listen live right over the phone. Just search for your iOS or Android store for the Guadalupe Radio Network. Download the app. It's free. You can listen live. You can even catch the podcast of Catholic Drive Time on there as well. So, wonderful opportunity, praise be to God. Today on Intersections, there's going to be an amazing, an amazing special guest today, and I cannot wait. you got to tune in and find out who it is. is, It's not you, is it? Maybe. It's possible. (laughs) It's possible. I'm not not saying that you're wrong. (laughs) I mean, that level of embellishment typically doesn't happen. All I'm saying is that his nickname may be the the humble, the innocent, um, (laughs) the the amazing, Uh, the tremendous... Those are just a couple of nicknames that people call him, you know, just 
But you have to tune in to find out who it is. I mean, I'm not, I don't know who it could possibly be. I mean. <laughs> uh, praise be to God. Well, I saw some some great comments on uh, on uh, on our chat. The chat on our website, Mike K is. Um, he says he bought the Harwood series, so my wife and I can check it out. If they're if they are good, we will end up in her public school library. Praise That's be to God. That's so awesome. Praise be. To God. Mike K also thinks you need to have more confidence, Adrian, when you are delivering those German names. You know, I for the most of them, I have I just like barrel through them and I say them 100. percent But then sometimes my tongue gets caught on some of these letters, and I'm like, can't get my mouth over some of these letters, and I'm like, ah, why do they put so many consonants together? Uh, my mouth doesn't work that way, so I'm just uh, so most of the time I can barrel through it, but occasionally my my mouth gets uh, trips over it, and I'm like, darn. But you know, oh, thanks, shucks. much appreciated. Uh, Monica says the uh, Captain's Courageous film is a great movie. Not too long ago, it was on regular TV uh, movie channel, and my father in law called us to tune in. Praise be to God. That's awesome. You mm-hmm. know what? Else? Speaking of TV movies, yeah, praise be to God. I also, one of the other films I watched over the weekend was the April Morning film. April Morning was a made-for-TV film in 1988, and um, it, was, it was about the time when the English soldiers marched up the road past Lexington Green on their way to Concord to capture the stores of gunpowder and, and rifles. And the militia from Lexington was called out. You know, the legend goes Paul Revere. Probably not Paul Revere, who, who he was only one of several writers that night. And, um, and the men are standing on the green with their rifles, not blocking the road, mind you, just standing on the green, which is next to the road. So the English could have marched on by and uh, nobody would have been hurt. But instead, the English take up positions and a shot is fired. Nobody knows who shot that. The shot hurt around the world. Yeah, the shot that hurt around the world. And uh, so I hadn't seen this film in forever. And I rented it because, one, we, we love history at our house and movies about history are fun. And I was always looking for a film that I could watch with my family. And I had wa- I'd, I looked at this and I thought it was fine. I tried to find good reviews. and I'm, Nobody really complained about it anything. So I'm like, okay, we're going to watch this. The instant I put it on the television... <laughs> Amazon Prime gives us a warning. Foul language! Violence! Yeah! And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> so I turned it off. That's when we went to Captain's Courageous. And then I went and watched it myself. And uh, It's a decent film for, for a TV movie from 1988 with some big actors in it, too. I hadn't seen it in a long time. I wonder who's seen April Morning. Let us know in the comments if you've seen it. Anna, good morning to you. Have you seen April Morning? Good morning, Joe. I have not seen April Morning. <sighs> What about uh, Captain's Courageous? You've seen that, right? No. Oh, my. I, was a big I, I feel lonely. I feel lonely in the world. You know, if you, just to make you feel better, um, Mike really went out there and, uh, and hit me hard, man. It hit me hard. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm still recovering, what to be did honest. What uh, After my description of the special guest on Intersections later, he said, uh, Joe's going to be on Intersections? <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> Ouch. Oh. Uh, from your lips Ouch. to God's ears. Well, from all, your lips you know, to God's ears. All I got to say to that is, uh, Jesus, I may not have a lot of friends, but uh, at least Jesus, Jesus is one of them. Is He's one of my few friends. <laughs> one of my only friends, apparently. I've noticed this more and more. It's I got the only Jesus one that can handle you. And I got Jesus. And that's about it. That's, that's all you got. 
which reminds me of the jerk. It's like all I need is this lamp, and this this little paperweight, and my phone, and my phone. It's amazing how often I quote the jerk. The jerk. My, uh, this pen. And, uh, <laughs> Do you not recommend you watch it? To show and, uh, David Magianis and, and I, because uh, we are and, uh, we are of similar vintage. We I tried need, uh, to show. I want, I want to need this, Adrian. Uh, and, and that's it. I don't need anything else. Okay, Try I don't need anything else. <laughs> there you go, David. One day, David and I were it's going a stapler. on. You need now. a stapler. David and I were going on and on and on about the jerk, and Adrian was like, "I have no idea what you're talking about." <laughs> Steve Martin, the jerk. What is this? So I pulled up the scene on YouTube and showed it to Adrian, and I had forgotten that it's like ten minutes long. It's the longest, most drawn. It takes forever to get to the point. Ever longest drawn out exit. And I'm like, I'm waiting to laugh. I'm waiting. I'm sitting there. I'm like, so, um, you said this was funny, right? Right. Uh, Where where does it where does it happen? Don't worry, it'll happen any second. (laughs) And like three minutes in, yeah. uh, Okay, I'm still waiting for the joke to hit. So far, it's just depressing Uh, because the guy's like getting broken up with and like getting kicked out of his house. And I'm like, so. this is a comedy, right? Ouch. And eventually it got to the point and I was like, oh, that is kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> and that was kind of my reaction. Come on, man. Yeah, I know. He was ahead of his time in his, uh, <laughs> how he identified himself in the movie. Oh, I saw The Jerk as a kid. Yeah. The drive through My parents let me watch a lot of stuff I shouldn't have been watching. Uh, Mike no. said, now my ears are bleeding. Yeah. Well, there you go. I'm sorry, Mike. I think he's talking about the uh, Jesus, a friend of mine. <laughs> yes, exactly. I told you. I've wa- I've been trying to warn you, but you, you guys don't listen. You you go off. You watch those crazy videos on YouTube that Adrian suggests, and now you need counseling. Well, I'm hey. not paying for that counseling. Okay, I'm not going to compensate you because I warned you ahead of time. I had a great conversation yesterday um, with my cousin about uh, aliens, and we talked about whether or not scientifically you can prove aliens exist. And, uh, you mean demons? Mm, well, you definitely can't prove that demons exist scientifically. Uh, you mean aliens? With, but aliens, demons. I was saying no, you can't prove that aliens exist. But they're demons. Uh, they're Mexicans. <laughs> no, no, they're demons. Uh, um, sombrero. It's a UFO. <laughs> secretly. Just so you know. I, they're triangles now, man. The whole... They, they, they've upgraded their tech, dude. Well, uh, you, don't you see the point on the sombrero? Yeah, but I've never seen a green sombrero. Oh, just paint it. Uh, this is going off. In we, a, just, we just wrap, the, uh, wrap it in foil. And then, you know, the pointy part of the sombrero. He hates sombreros. All of them. He hates sombreros. He hates all of them. The whole wide world. And can't. He hates Where are we cans. going with this with your cousin anyway? Let's go back to what you, you were talking about. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're running I, out of time already. I, uh, yeah, this is my point was we're having a discussion about whether or not we can prove scientifically that aliens exist. And so the discussion ultimately ends up becoming uh, what is the principle of life? Um, and so I was thinking that would be a great guest opportunity to have someone on to talk about like the from a scientific perspective like what is the principles of life talk about god and that kind of thing from like a we'll find like a a, a biologist or a physicist to come on and talk about that and so i've been looking around i found a couple people i also have a friend who's getting his phd in and astrophysics and he's uh, working for elon musk and uh he might be an interesting person to talk to about that too so we'll see yeah praise be to god I always like talking about uh, the alien invasion under the guise of demons. Hmm. Speaking of aliens, uh, remember on the news that said that NASA was looking to recruit people to uh, live a 
stimulated life on Mars. Yeah. Yeah, super. It, very interesting. Are you volunteering? Is no. that what you're trying to suggest? Or, <laughs> you know what I say to that? The horns of the apocalypse. How does that make sense? It doesn't. Oh, because demons. Yeah, because demons. Because <laughs> secretly go. it'll be demons that are living on Mars, All right. not humans. All right, we're being tossed off of the air, praise be to God, by Adrian Fonseca. Tomorrow, speaking of demons, Father Vincent Lambert, the exorcist, is back on the program. We're looking forward to that. I want to talk about uh, Satan, satanic imagery, occult imagery in your everyday technology, in your everyday products like Converse shoes, for instance, and where the danger is in normalizing that stuff. That's going to be our conversation with Father Lampert. With Gabriel Castillo, what are we talking about? I forget. We're talking about uh, <laughs> families and how to raise Catholic families and a couple other things, but we're off the air in about one second. All right. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.
Uh, I actually purchased a couple of books written at the time. One was uh, from Notre Dame about the, um, the, the chaplains that they, that they sent to uh, the Union effort. Uh, they were one of the biggest suppliers of chaplains during the Civil War. They never mentioned anything like that. That would, that would be news to me. I'd like to know what source. Can you hear me? Surprise me to read that many of the chaplains went okay. above their own accord to the front line. Well, but. I think they did it. I don't know. Um, and then, uh, so originally he sent them to the front lines because he didn't want to be um, noted. Useless, you know, in society, like he didn't want to do anything, like what they're doing now. And uh, after hearing many uh, courageous accounts of them risking their lives to save their fellow countrymen, that's yeah. when he started to have like, oh, maybe, maybe I should have more respect for. Them. Yeah. Well, it's a fascinating point because most of the Medal of Honor winners are, 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 are the people who've earned the Medal of Honor that are chaplains. The vast majority are Catholic. Yeah. They frequently put themselves in harm's way. I didn't have it ready in time. Live from the sun-drenched cobblestones of the Eternal City. Conversation crossing faith, culture and current events. Civil discourse, civil debate, and the free exchange of ideas. This is Intersections with Bree Dale and Matt Dooley. Now your hosts, Bree and Matt. Back to Intersections with Bree Dale and Colonel Matt Dooley. So, um... Maybe you should make a like super generic one that just says Breedale. If maybe you should make a super generic one that just says Breedale, because uh, it seems like it'll be fairly unpredictable how often. Hmm. 
Alrighty. Pope Francis sent envelope containing bullet cartridges from France. Okay. Interesting. No problem. Yes. Well, I can't hear them now, so.
five minutes. Uh, not all of them working on it. Is there any in particular you want primary so I can start with those? Yes. Yeah, it's it's pretty clever. I'd be interested to see what happens next. Uh, oh, you should address what you think of the Raratichelli inter, uh, rumors that just came out yesterday or the day before. No, you're not gonna. You don't think it would be good to let people know what they if you think they're credible or not credible. Okay, well, all right.
All right. All right, 30 seconds. Going to put you on mute.